Okay, folks, welcome back. Hey, Talks Inside the News, your host, Paul Jensen. We're glad to have you with us this morning, and we've got a great guest who has just joined us online. And Suzanne, can you introduce Mike Mahaney for us? Yes, Mike Meharry. Oh, Meharry. I'm sorry, Mike. I apologize. My R's this morning look like N's because of my... I'm, I had some caffeine this morning, and I don't normally do that. Go ahead. Mike Meharry is the National Communications Director from the Tenth Amendment Center. No matter what the odds, it's their duty to do what's right. That means the Constitution, every issue, every time. No exceptions, no excuses. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't really understand what it means to go by what the Constitution set forth with this form of government. So we're going to have Mike come on and explain a little bit about what they and talk about the uh, pending automobile industry bubble. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Suzanne and Paul. It's uh, great to be on, and good morning to Utah. We Thank you. And uh, we Suzanne had a couple of topics that she wanted to try to cover since we have the opportunity to have you on with us this morning. Suzanne? Yeah, I, I wanted to, the reason I brought Mike in is, Paul, you sent me two op, two uh, topic lists, one of which are our rights come from natural rights or God, not the government. And you had included a statement from Michael Bolden, the president of 10th Amendment Center. And you also wanted to raise the issue of the auto industry bubble, which we think is pending. And Mike also writes for Shift Gold. We do podcasts. They do podcasts as well. I did one with him on preparedness. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to introduce your listening audience to the 10th Amendment Center and have them expound upon the looming um, auto industry bubble. Mike, you want to run with that? Yeah, I think the uh, auto bubbles popped. And it's really interesting because when most people think about what's going on with the economy, 99% of the time they're going to blame the president. Whoever's in power at the time, they're either going to get credit or blame for what's going on with it with the economy. And you know, to some degree, there's certainly some truth in that. Uh, policies out of Washington, D.C. do make a difference. And I think one of the, the things that is kind of hurting the auto industry right now are the tariffs and the increased cost of steel. But there's really a bigger driver of the economy that most people don't really think anything about, and that's the Federal Reserve. And really what we're seeing right now in the auto industry is the impact of almost a decade of artificially low interest rates, easy money uh, that's created a lot of malinvestment. And we're beginning to see those bubbles pop. We're seeing it in the housing market. We're now seeing it in the auto market with GM announcing yesterday that they plan to close five plants and and lay off a a whole slew of workers. I think up to 14,000 jobs are going to be lost. Yeah, 14,700 jobs, and and the three biggest plants are in Lordstown, Ohio, one place that uh, the president really campaigned, and they turned the state, or at least in the area, from blue to red, and all of these auto workers were voting Republican for the first time in their lives. Also in Hamtrak, Michigan, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. And so, I, you know, this is a big deal. And the president's dis- really disturbed about it. He contacted uh, the head of, of, uh, 
of GM. Also, the United Auto Work Workers Union has come out and vowed to confront this decision legally and force them to keep their plants open, uh, even though the Americans aren't buying these models. I uh, just so people know, these some of these include the Chevy uh, Cruze, the Cadillac CT6, the Buick LaCrosse, and several other that are just not selling. And people are saying, why would you close down your plant that, that and get rid of one of your best products with a Chevy Cruze? And GM said, they're not selling. What can we do? If the American people would buy them, we certainly would continue to manufacture them. Uh, what is your response to that, Mike? Well, I think a big part of the reason people aren't buying them is that we're seeing interest rates go up. And that's why we're seeing these signs of trouble in these two uh, particular sectors, real estate and uh, and auto industry. As interest rates go up, it becomes more and more difficult for people to finance these things. You can't, you know, most people can't go plunk down thirty, forty thousand dollars for a vehicle. And we've had ten years of artificially low interest rates. Uh, you know, it was the stimulus. It was by design. It was to get people to buy, and it worked. But at some point, you got to pay the piper, and, and now what we're seeing is the Federal Reserve's taking away this punch bowl, and people are starting to throw a temper tantrum, so to speak. And I think we're heading for an even deeper problem in the economy. I think we're heading toward a recession ultimately. And the problem that Trump has run himself into is that he spent the last year taking credit for the stock market going up, taking credit for the economy booming. This was all just a product of, of the, the Federal Reserve monetary policy. And now, as things start to go down, he's going to get the blame, and there's not going to be a whole lot he's going to be able to, to do to deflect that. You bring up such a great point. If he's going to benefit and claim the success as it rises, he's also got to take the heat when it drops, and they, meaning the deep state, don't they control it, and can't they manipulate the financial industry and the stock market and everything else? Can't they make him look bad? I, maybe it was a bad idea to uh, tie his uh, apron strings to the rising star of the stock markets, which is so volatile in every case. Well, it's really interesting because if you listen to, to the Trump candidate, he talked about the stock market being a big, fat, ugly bubble. Those were his words, and he was right. And the problem is it's still a big, fat, ugly bubble. And, you know, we were going to have these issues. We were going to have a crash whether or not Hillary Clinton was elected or whether Donald Trump was elected. Uh, I think Trump's tax cuts probably uh, gave bought a little bit of time. But ultimately, you can't have all of this malinvestment. You can't ha have uh, manipulation of the economy through the uh, Federal Reserve and through monetary policy. Uh, you can't have it blowing up bubbles without those bubbles eventually popping. We've seen this play before. It happened in 2006, 2007, 2008 with the housing bubble. And we had the same thing, artificially low interest rates. All of that money went into housing. Uh, interest rates start rising. The housing bubble bursts. The economy crashes. So we're just seeing a replay of what happened in 2007, 2008. And like I said, unfortunately for Trump, he's going to be the uh, – uh, he's going to get the blame, and you know, we're probably going to end up with more socialism as a result, which certainly isn't the, the solution to the problem. You know, there are three indicators that many investors keep an eye on, and that is oil, copper, and lumber. And they kind of are indicators of the future. And all of those are significantly down, between 21 and 25.5%. Uh, is that an indication 
And do you have other indications of where the market is going to be going in the future and what can be done about it? Well, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think we see a lot of signs of, of trouble in the economy, even globally, with with things slowing down. Uh, I, I look a lot at precious metals, and you know, silver is another one that has has struggled over the last year or so. And this is a, a while it is a monetary metal, it's also an industrial metal. Uh, I don't really think there is anything that can be done. And the problem is that well, what what can be done is people need to get ready. And the problem is that, you know, these cycles are created by this type of monetary policy. And, uh, you know, this is the thing that, that most people don't understand. We're not taught about this. We're not taught about the fact that low interest rates, this artificial stimulus that government wants when there's a recession, all it does is pump up a bubble and set the stage for the next recession. And ultimately, what we need is we need the economy to correct and we need to leave it alone. And when the economy crashes, we're going to have to take the medicine and allow it to correct. Unfortunately, I don't think the politicians and the, the central bankers are going to allow that to happen. They're going to try to inflate another bubble. But what we can do as individuals is, is to be ready and, you know, to have, uh, have savings and to invest in things like precious metals and, and uh, you know, even looking at investments overseas that may not be as uh, subject to the problems in the U.S. economy. But ultimately, what we really need is we need to end this Federal Reserve monopoly on our monetary system. And that's something that we work towards at the Tenth Amendment Center by encouraging uh, the use of gold and silver as money, by uh, Texas creating a bullion depository where they control their own gold and silver, and, and working toward a system based on sound money instead of fiat currency manipulated by central bankers. Okay, wonderful. Hey, listen, Suzanne Sherman, could you please reintroduce our guest? We had I've had several callers uh, who have just joined us, and you guys can repent. You can see your priest, your bishop, your minister, and uh, go through the repentance process for not being on with us when we go on the air at uh, 7 o'clock. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Suzanne, we have Mike uh, uh, Meharry with us from the Tenth Amendment Center. Can you t- tell us who Mike is again one more time? And then also, uh, let's get into the other topic. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Meharry is the National Communications Director for the Tenth Amendment Center. The Tenth Amendment Center has over 10,000 published articles. I have put in a few myself. I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to weigh in with them. And uh, they really tell the truth. We know when other people are arguing about what the federal government uh, should be doing, these guys are out there sometimes just a lone force saying, Uh, You might want them to, but that's not the right thing to do. And uh, people seem to forget with all these conversations, particularly, Paula, you and I discussed the female genital mutilation case last week. We'll revisit that a little later after uh, Mike leaves us. But people just tend to run to the federal government, the federal judiciary to solve our problems. The Tenth Amendment Center stands as the voice of reason saying, you know, you have to look at what the power to the states, what they retain for themselves. Mike has some great commentary on that. Mike, I also know Michael Bolden had just released um, and a, a video saying where our rights really come from. Do you want to speak on his behalf and uh, expound upon that a little bit? I don't know that I can speak on his behalf. That could get me in, in some kind of trouble or something. But uh, no, he, he's absolutely right. And I would encourage people to head over to the Tenth Amendment Center website. That's T-E-N-T-H Amendment Center.com. And you can check out that video. But the basic point is 
that government doesn't give us our rights. And I think a lot of people labor under this misconception. Uh, you know, the part of the problem, I think, is, is they called the Bill of Rights the Bill of Rights. They should have called it the, the Bill of Restrictions because they're really a restriction on government. Yeah, perfect. If you read the Bill of Rights, it, it presupposes the existence of our rights. We already have the rights. The Bill of Rights was simply intended to keep the government from infringing on rights that we already have. So the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, doesn't give us anything. We have the right to speak. We have the right to defend ourselves. We have the right to our, our freedom of conscience by virtue of being human beings. You know, as a Christian, I believe that that comes from God. But you don't even have to be a theist to believe that. Just by virtue of your humanness, you have certain rights that other people shouldn't be allowed to infringe on. It's, it's the idea of self-ownership. If we own ourselves, which means we have the right to direct our own actions, if we truly own ourselves, then these rights naturally follow. That's why they call them natural rights. And that's the whole basis of the U.S. system of government. It was something that John Locke expounded on at length uh, in his writings you know, in the 1700s, and, and it was the basis of the Declaration of Independence that all people are created equal. We all have these inalienable rights, and that government was instituted to protect and and defend these rights, not to trample on them. So, uh, you know, this is this is a key and part of the biggest. I think the biggest problem that we face as Americans right now is we have an overreaching behemoth central authority that is constantly walking all over our rights, constantly, you know, dictating things as the minutiae of what kind of light bulbs we can screw into our fixtures and how much water we can have in our toilet, uh, you know, not to mention uh, infringing on our right to free speech, our, our right to defend ourselves and, and all of these other things. So I think it's very important as a, as a foundational thing just to understand that you have your rights the question is whether or not we're going to allow the government to trample on them, and I say we shouldn't. Very good. Let's take a call real quickly. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're up. Your name, your topic this morning. Yeah, Paul, as you know, this gentleman is singing my tune. This is Chris from Springville, the common laborer. And I've always contended with people that if I, just a regular workaday bloke, can figure this out, surely Trump, who is much more intelligent than I, can figure this out. In fact, uh, Jacob Schiff, who is a renowned economist, recommended to Trump that he explain to the American people how the system operates. Um, but he has not, which proves to me that he is a deep state asset, because he just explained how it operates. When this coming recession hits, then people will say, aha, see, Trump you know, knew that he was not in control of the economy. He's taken ownership. He will be blamed for it. And, you know, like I say, as Paul understands, uh, I've been warning people of this for a long, long time. So if anybody needs to repent, it's those people who now support Trump, because he's going to be taken for a ride, and he will go down in history as one of the worst presidents ever. Okay, go ahead. Your response, Mike. Thank you for your call this morning, Chris. Yes. Well, I think I think he hit the, the nail on the head in terms of, you know, what's going on with the economy. And it seemed like he understood this when he was campaigning. That's what's so frustrating about it. He talked about the phony employment numbers. He talked about all of these things. And yet when it continued, I guess he got caught up in the political hype. And I'm sure that's easy to do. It's easy to get caught up in, in you know, you believe your own press and your own tweets. But yeah, I think he's, you know, and, and I don't think that the blame really goes at his feet. Like I said, this, this was was in the making from the moment we had the last crash in 2008, the moment the Federal Reserve 
lowered interest rates to 0% and held them there for almost a decade from the moment they did three rounds of quantitative easing, which is basically just printing money out of thin air. That set the stage for where we are now. And I really do wish that Trump had simply said, you know, this is where we are. This is the situation that we're under. We're going to hunker down, and we're going to do the best we can to weather this storm, and we're going to right the ship and move forward. But unfortunately, he's taking credit for the stock market and for the uh, you know the great employment numbers, and it is about to burst. You know, I can't say it's going to happen tomorrow or next week, but I would say within the next eighteen months to two years, we're going to be in the midst of a, of a deep recession, and that's not going to play well for the twenty twenty election. Very well said. Uh, we're just about out of time, and we hope we can have you on again very soon. And and you're very knowledgeable. Appreciate uh, your your attitudes and your statements, your questions. We happen to agree with pretty much everything you said this morning. Uh, we look forward to having you. And uh, I just want to tell people I'm right now on Tenth uh, Amendment center.com 10th amendment center.com and there's you can read the latest articles you can read the blogs uh, you can see several videos and great information and one of the contributors is our co-host suzanne sherman a recovering attorney who's written several articles and then there's a uh, 10th amendment center store including how to join for a year for five years for a lifetime and we encourage people to be on on uh, board with this we'll uh, see you again soon in our next visit mike and it's good to have you with us thank you so much paul it's been my pleasure thank you suzanne